When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a Friday road show. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark back at our ESPN studios. We're here at the Hail Varsity Club in La Vista. You are invited out. Why? Well, it's an incredible spot for food, for drinks, fun with friends. There's not a bad TV spot here. And yes, it's International Beer Day. Is it now? It is International Beer Day. They have all the local beers you like, a lot of the uh, the brewery specials around the great state of Nebraska. But if you want to go international, hey, have fun. And here I was thinking today was special because it was ESPN The Ocho Day. The Ocho? <laughs> if you're looking up there, it's all the weirdest sports. We just saw Jay Cutler is now in the, uh, the Professional Cornhole League. we got to see Jay Cutler toss in the bags. Um, but International Beer Day, I think, takes the cake. It does, and with the drought around the country, that is dangerous to have Jay Cutler playing cornhole uh, because he could flick one of his uh, lung darts out, and next thing you know, it's a wildfire. I, I fear that. Uh, numbers to get in today can join us on Hale Varsity Radio, 466-3776 or 800 can find us on Twitter at HVarsityRadio. At Schmidt underscore radio. That's me, Chris Schmidt. At Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And Connor Clark is at C underscore Clark underscore 27. That's all the underscores Twitter gave him. We're streaming live uh, on ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter feed. So check that out. Fun to catch up with Nick Handley and our dear friends at 590 as we uh, transitioned into the 4 o'clock hour. But we're here till 6. Uh, come get a brew. Come get some wings. Their burgers are incredible. Uh, they even have an ice cream sundae. I twisted my arm to try when we were here on Monday. Show lineup Jacob Padilla. He'll join us from Hale Varsity, get his take on Nebraska's fall camp, a big scrimmage tomorrow. Also lined up uh, in Hour 2 is the Pride of Fairbury. NBC Sports' Bill Dolman. He'll have a thought or several as Nebraska gears towards Dublin. And then the coach, he has had eyes on Northwestern. He has had eyes on Nebraska. Has he seen both of their camps? What does he think? Jerry DiNardo, Big Ten Network, with us at 525. So, guys, let's uh, let's open it up. We'll hear from Scott Frost. He addressed us after practice. And, guys, the mood today, and we, we, uh, we, we just grab it at a lot of things here when it's camp, and we're wondering, okay, how much should we read into 
what do you take and carry with you like you're trying to get across the goal line or what is is uh, turned into a mountain out of a molehill but just from a from a general vibe and happiness standpoint elijah let's start with you connor you jump in too i thought he was pretty happy today i think he's he's seen progress i think he feels good about his quarterback setup and and i think the uh, the hires he's made man uh we've heard from all the assistants this week but He's getting to see it day in, day out during practice, and I think that gives him a little bit of comfort in a, in a really uncomfortable season where he's had to to really go hands-off. And my question is, you listen to this one today, and it had a little bit of, uh, of a different feel than Big Ten Media Days or even some of his appearances <laughs> yeah. last season. Uh, a little bit of a different feel, but it still didn't feel like this was a priority to him, which I don't think is the worst thing in the world. Obviously, uh, a lot bigger things to worry about, such as, you know, your quarterback situation, getting the offense figured out, worrying about special teams. But it, it wasn't the the jovial Scott Frass that I remember of three years ago whenever he goes up and kind of jokes around with the media. None of that today. It was very matter-of-fact. Uh, it was a focus-sounding Scott Frost. And um, really – business give us a little bit of insight but that that's the, the main takeaway I, I took from him today was it sounded like it was business and not business like we heard last season before illinois where he got up there and gave three or four word answers for everything and really seemed like he didn't want to be there it was a guy who understood this is a part of the job description but also a guy who understood uh his job is not going to be saved by what he says up there today it's going to be saved by what he does on the field in dublin well uh when it gets to a a good start i mean this practice is is critical you're getting guys and teams and positions connor kind of prioritized and and whipped into shape and then it gets into install it gets into game week a thought from you on just uh not just today with frost but just overall it seems like uh you know what from a leadership standpoint the team and you hear it all the time but it it sounded good to me today is what i'm going to say with uh some of those uh, upperclassmen uh, putting their fingerprints on this group. And with with all of the, the transfers, it's really got to come together. It sounds like it might be. Well, we talk about Scott Frost sounding like business, and this was kind of descriptive business this time around today, I feel like. And he was very matter-of-fact, as Elijah said, very straightforward with what he wanted to say, what he wanted to say to the media, and what he wanted to reveal about the program. He talked highly of the leaders on the team so far here today. He talked about specific injuries, for, for instance, the – Casey Thompson thumb repair, as we mentioned in the uh, line change segment before we got on live here on ESPN Lincoln. And it just was a a deeper dive into the mind of Scott Frost, what he thinks specifically. And I think he's also starting to find his role because you mentioned, Chris, how he's starting to become more and more hands off on the offense and letting Whipple kind of really take over that unit on on the football team, which is something that, you know, we've seen Scott Frost be kind of uncomfortable with. But I think he's starting to really find his role within this new look coaching staff, and I think that'll be good for the entire program. When you delegate and, and ask your folks or ask uh, people you know that are in the, the business world, man, that is hard to do if you've been a hands-on guy, mm-hmm. specifically in college football, with where you cut your teeth in offense and, and what got you hired in Central Florida, what got you hired in Lincoln was the offensive program you had, the high-flying, the high-scoring, uh, the explosiveness, and to, 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 to turn that over or at least give up some of that responsibility, man, my cold, dead hand, right? I mean, that's difficult for, 
for a lot of coaches. And, and quite honestly, you go back and think of, okay, who, who have been some really good head coaches that are also offensive coordinators? I mean, Coach Osborne's the gold standard. Steve Spurrier was really good. There you go. Mm. I mean, really, those are the two guys that did it and won championships. There's been others, but they don't come to mind. You need a, a fantastic coordinator uh, on, on both sides of the football and you want to be able to delegate and trust that the work's going to get done. Let's hear from Scott Frost here uh, as he can kick things off with his post-game or post-practice, rather. Uh, and he touched on the effort and a lot of the leadership that he's been able to see so far through camp through seven practices. Kind of highlighted it to me because we have scrimmage tomorrow. The kids all know it. And sometimes the practice right before that isn't always the best. Uh, didn't have to coach effort or intensity or desire at all today. Uh, this is a hungry team and uh, seeing a lot of really good things. So I, it's been a fun few days. We're, we got a schedule where the kids are trying to keep the kids as fresh as we can keep them. And I think they've uh, responded to that. So we just got to go upward and onward from here. So good. The team's hungry at three and nine. You should be starving. Hmm. And the focus was where it needed to be right before the big one. It seems, I guess my read on this is, do you get up for the big moments or do you treat everything like a big moment? Are you even keel enough uh, when it comes to your work and getting getting things done in practice? More from Coach Frost. This really made an impression on me because it was not completely different, but it was more, I, I guess, uh, a finality. It was, okay, yeah, it's... It's it's Whipple's show. You're going to hear Scott say it, but it was it was an admittance publicly that yep, uh, I'm still the head coach. It's my responsibility to have a good offense, but in reality, uh, we're going to hand it off to to Whipple. Uh, here is Coach Frost on that transition. It's going well. Um, we are Whip's in control. He's running it. Uh, I think it was important that the kids become familiar with all the stuff that he wants to do. Um, there's elements of it that we've done. I think we'll add wrinkles and things that we've done, but uh, trying to get overly involved every day probably wasn't the right strategy. So uh, I'll help and I think we'll end up with a good blend. But uh, to this point, uh, it's been fun to watch uh, his offense kind of evolve and bloom. and. Uh, the assistant coaches and offense are doing a great job too. So it, it, it's been fun to be able to sit back and, and have a, a little more of a mile-high view of it all. And, and Shmini, this this comment right there takes me back to, to something that Gary Barnett told us just after Big Ten Media Days where uh, we asked him, like, what is this going to look like to the coaches even though? And he said, this is something that, that while you may have a general idea of it going into fall camp, you're going to have to flesh this out not only through fall camp but through your first couple of games of how does that relationship work? When is Scott going to give his insight? When is Whipple going to give his insight? Who takes what? And that comment to me tells me that through a week of fall camp, they've been ironing those things out. And it sounds like uh, Scott's got enough trust in Whipple and what Whipple's doing with the offense to take his hands off a little bit and, and go maybe focus on the special teams or focus on the offensive line. And, and that's something that, that I'm sure terrified him going into fall camp, knowing, man, I, I have to give up control. But now a week into fall camp, he's seen the work that Whipple's done, and maybe just that, that trust factor has gone up. Here's the thing. His job is to make sure everybody else does their job. Mm-hmm. The offense, when it comes to running the football, 
when they have to run it, guys, they've not done their job. The defense wilted a little bit in the in the second half of last year because of all the heavy lifting. What's the depth look like in that defense? Is is more depth being developed? And ultimately on offense, is there going to be enough balance with a run game, with a passing attack, with protection on the offensive line? He's able to go to spot to spot and, and micromanage if he has to. Clearly, special teams were not micromanaged by Scott Frost last year or in previous years, and, and that was detrimental. And, and you've seen it, it shifted with the influx of starters, position group starters that are going to be starting on special teams. So with him making that admittance, that declaration today, the way he said it, not just that he said it, kind of hit home for me because it was it, it was him letting go. It's still his job. It's still in his control. But the, the way he made it sound says, okay, uh, it's whip show. That was that was a big statement for me today, and, and how it sounded was as, as important as, as what was said. And, and to, to go along with that, you said something about micromanaging, but I'll say I think it's him realizing that his job is not to micromanage everywhere. Your job is to manage the entire team without micromanaging any one spot. So You have to micromanage what needs fixed. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and I'm not sure micromanage is the right word with, with that. It's it's still management to me to make sure that whatever coach you've brought in to come fix this or whatever plan you had in the offseason to, to get this addressed is being carried out. But I don't think it's your job to carry it out. And that's what, what the the insinuation of, of micromanage is to me, that, that now you've put it on your shoulders. It's not that at all. It's that you're making sure that the people you've put in place to take care of this are doing their job, as you said a little earlier. Well, and... <laughs> If, if quarterback's a problem, Connor in, in Dublin, he'll, he'll have more input. Mm-hmm. If, if the running game is the same mess from a rotation standpoint, and it won't be, but if it is, he'll let that, uh, that, that room know about it. And the offensive line, that's the biggest question moving forward is can you settle? And he didn't want to really divulge what was going on, but they're trying a bunch of guys at a bunch of different spots because they believe they're capable. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to, too, when you're so uncertain about where guys are going to fall. You might as well try them at different spots, see what works, see what doesn't. And when you go back to the micromanaging thing, I mean, yeah, that is Scott Frost's job. And even though he's hands-off on the offense now, he's still going to give his input. He's still going to hold guys accountable. And as you mentioned, Chris, if you know things don't go according to plan in Ireland, say the running back room doesn't look as sharp as we anticipate, or the offensive line has its issues, you know Scott will hold them accountable because, as we've talked about all offseason long, this is a really big make-or-break year for him at Nebraska. One more thought from Scott Frost before we get a timeout. You're invited out here to the Hale Varsity Club. We're here till 6 as uh, we are in La Vista between Cabela's and the Embassy Suites. Uh, great food and drink specials, International Beer Day. Come celebrate. Take a load off. You've earned it after a long week of work. Coach Frost here, uh, last thoughts from him on camp and the new coaches, how that's going uh, with one another. No, it, it's going the way I think everybody expected it. Um, if you run any sk- scheme offensively or defensively, if you run it well and you have good players, you can be good. And uh, having somebody with the experience that that these assistant coaches have and the experience whip has in here uh, brings a lot of ideas and and a lot of experience to the table Um, we just got to keep working to make sure we land in a good place 
can send an email if you like, chris at hailvarsity.com. Give us a follow and find on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal and Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Yeah, and uh, give us a, a follow on the Twitter account as well, at HVarsity Radio. It's a great place to find us. Uh, if you uh, want to check us out in the live stream, the live stream has been retweeted on the HVarsity Radio Twitter account, so check it out there. We'll have some uh, highlights from the show posted up afterwards, and uh, it's, you get the daily show line up there. It's, it's a great follow for you. Go check it out, and uh, that's how you stay up to date with everything we're doing here on Hale Varsity Radio. And what's really awesome here with Hale Varsity and, of course, Heard at Sports, Heard at Media, the film crew's out. I mean, they are, I don't know if we, we, they have to have insurance on the cameras, at least for me. Not, I'm not throwing you under the bus. I got camera experience. I was a Husker Vision employee. No, I know, but my point <laughs> is, is what they're shooting <laughs> is, uh, is, is, is maybe scary. Uh, then we're going to throw peanuts at me up here on stage. We're uh, winding down here this first segment. Jacob Bedilla next on Hale Varsity. This segment is presented by Union Bank and Trust. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. A Friday road show. Hale Varsity Club is where we're at in La Vista. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark back at our ESPN studios. We say hi to Jacob Padilla with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore is where you follow him. You read him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. And Jacob, how plush of a leather chair is that you're sitting in? That looks amazingly comfortable, my friend. Yeah, it's, it's pretty comfortable. Um, got it from my dad. So um, I don't really have an office here in my apartment. So uh, just chill here uh, on the chair and take care of uh, what I need to take care of. Do you think John Cook had to have a seat uh, today when when he learned, or maybe he knew ahead of everybody, but Kayla Caffey to Texas. Let's talk volleyball before we get into some college football with Nebraska. Your reaction to Caffey down to Bevo land? Yeah, when kind of the news came out that she had entered the portal, I kind of, without even checking to see like what Texas's roster situation looked like, if they even had room for her, I kind of thought to myself, eh, probably going to end up at Texas, right? Uh, so I... Uh, apparently she went down there and visited uh, Keanu Akana uh, anyway, so got to look down at the area herself. Um, so I, not a shock. It seems like uh, obviously there's a lot of kind of uh, shared history between Texas and Nebraska there, and um, I, I don't think uh, Jared Elliott uh, ever uh, will turn down an option to tweak John Cook a little bit. <laughs> so obviously you got Akana and. Kathy both on, on Texas this year, and um, we'll see kind of how the, the season goes for both teams. Well, I mean, if you want to win in volleyball outside the Big Ten, you can probably only count on one hand uh, the types of programs that can compete with Nebraska, have that same level of talent. And, like, uh, for a Nebraska volleyball player to go transfer somewhere, it, I feel like they don't have that many options if they want to keep up that same level of play that, that they experienced here at Nebraska, you know? Yeah, I mean, you leave Nebraska – and you were a starter here, you probably have good options out there on the market. I'm sure there are a lot of schools that would be very interested. Um, and to, it just so happened that two players from Nebraska that um, played key roles on the team last year landed down there in Austin. And it's certainly interesting uh, that 
like a kind of left Nebraska because Nebraska was too good at her position and she wasn't going to get the shot to start she wanted. And her fallback option is a place like Texas. So I mean, you can, <laughs> you, you can choose to, to look at that however you want. Jacob, uh, chances of Nebraska and Texas meeting in uh, the Final Four next year, right? I mean, would that be incredibly juicy? How good would that be? Oh, yeah, kind, kind of hoping it happens now, and I'm sure uh, a lot of people are. Obviously, it just happened last year. Um, so we'll see if they can uh, kind of meet once again this past season. I know both, both teams will likely be in the mix come that time of the year, and it'll just come down to how the, uh, the brackets shake out. Uh, I know once we get there, the, I, they, I don't know that they, the, the committee will explicitly like, oh, we got to get this matchup, but I, I don't think that they'll like, you know what, let, let, let's try to keep these teams separate. I'm, I'm sure if they land in the, the same general part of the bracket that uh, uh, the committee won't, won't try to avoid that. That'll be uh, ratings gold. Jacob, let's go to the scrimmage tomorrow. Nebraska will have their first scrimmage of the fall. Who are some guys that need to have a, a big scrimmage tomorrow? A couple, three players that we won't get to see, but listen, it's, uh, it's a chance to step up. Maybe they've been practicing well or they're neck and neck with a position battle. You can really show out and make a really strong impression with that full contact action tomorrow. Yeah, um, I guess who needs to? I, I'll go with Brock Purdy, um, just as a based on what Scott Frost said is, said today that it's a, um, right now it's Casey Thompson's job to lose, and so that uh, that means that Purdy and Smothers and all the guys behind him have got some ground to make up. So this is their first real chance to p- potentially make up some of that ground uh, as far as um, it. I mean, it's still one practice, but again, it's the first real look at live, um, live competition. So um, that's certainly one if, if they want, if he wants to still be in the mix as we get closer to the opening season. Um, I think it'll be a big day for the backup quarterbacks um, to, to, to show that, hey, um, we're still hanging around here and this thing is going to be a competition down to the end, even though Thompson may be in the lead right now. Um, well, and I, I think it's it's the backfield as a whole. The quarterback position, it's going to be huge. A, for a guy like Casey Thompson, uh, I know they've said that he's the guy to beat right now. He, he's got to lose that job if somebody else is going to take it from him. But you, you still got to go out there and show uh, that, you know, they brought you here for a reason and you are going to lead this offense and the leadership qualities. But it's the running backs, too. It's going to be huge for tomorrow because – Think of a guy like Jack Yeah, I don't think his time to shine is a time whenever no one's wearing shoulder pads. You're just in the helmets and you're you're going through a you know a walkthrough of sorts in practice where there's no uh, contact. And we've lost Connor from the uh, the web stream, so we're gonna hope to get him back here shortly. He uh, run out. I don't know where Connor went. Oh man, we, this is what happened. We didn't lock here. up the chains in the studio today. Okay. You're, you're <laughs> We're going to see if we can get Connor there. Okay. Connor's back on. I believe that means Jacob should have our audio again. But yep. Jacob, just okay. getting back I to my you. point, a guy like Yant can't really shine if it's not full contact. And then you got Anthony Grant who came in from Juco, and he's waiting to show what he's gotten on a short time to impress the coaches. But uh, Brian Applewhite was just saying earlier this week how crowded that room is and, and how he's waiting to, to find a guy that can emerge and be that RB1. Yeah, that's where I was going to go next. Uh, that, that backfield, like you, you mentioned – uh, it's really tough to judge those guys when there's no contact and it's all just 
uh, on air or touch, um, that sort of deal. I mean, obviously, they, I don't think the coaches will want to see guys uh, killing each other out there in practice, but it'll be closer to real football than what we've seen previously. Um, so I, I think, and like you said, there's a lot of bodies, and we're still trying to figure out. It seems like Anthony Grant is, is kind of in the lead right now, but how? Who's who's next? How deep do they go? Um, I mean, you're not going to play all five or six guys that potentially seem like they're talented enough to help the team. So how, how deep do you go? Who all does uh, get those get those snaps? And I think it comes down to sh- uh, which of these guys can show the coaches that whether it's unique skill set or um, just their consistency, or, uh, which of these guys feel do the coaches feel like they have to get on the, on the field? And this is a big step towards that, uh, going out and showing kind of in live action. And honestly, like you said, kind of uh, honed in on three. It's t- it's tough to do with this team because there's so many unknowns. It mm-hmm. basically you can pick, just say somebody at every position on the team. Like I think you feel good about the tight ends, and seems like the backups, while they're still competing for that job, seems like you got some good options there. The offensive line, we have no idea. That's kind of the biggest thing, and will be the recurring theme throughout this fall camp leading up to the season is. Who's doing what there? Who's playing where? Who's kind of uh, locking up those jobs? And have they made the necessary progress uh, from where we saw the the team was last year to to allow Nebraska to have success? So ultimately, it doesn't matter how good those running backs are if there's no holes for them to run through. And it doesn't matter how, how good the quarterback is if he's got a guy in his lap every single down. Uh, so uh, that that's going to be the biggest thing. And then uh, I guess... Uh, in the secondary, too, I would probably focus that on the last one there. Um, if we are going a little bit of live tackle and a little bit of um, kind of beyond just seven-on-seven seven play, which of those guys emerges and shows the, the coaches that they're not afraid to, to get in there against the run, not afraid to go make a tackle out on the edge. Um, and we know Quentin Newsom has played a lot of football, but beyond that, you got a lot of new new guys there. And so – Kind of who who emerges, who shows Travis Fisher there that they're ready for the big time. Now, speaking of the offensive line, Jacob, what do you make of Scott Frost's statements today about nothing's really set in stone starter-wise, guys are moving around different positions. What does that tell you heading into this fall? (laughs) Uh, It doesn't tell me a whole lot outside of the fact that they just haven't really hammered in on anything just yet. So it's as up in the air as it feels to me, it seems like there's, they, they see it the same way. They're still trying to find which of these guys are going to lock in on those jobs. I think we have an idea, of, at least for some of these spots, um, who they want to um, kind of grab those spots. Like it would, it, would make the, the, it would make things so much easier if Teddy Prohaska is ready to go um, and if Brant Banks is able to lock down that, that right tackle spot and take uh, a step forward from where he was last year and then that allows Turner Corcoran to maybe slide in at guard and solidify that position, especially with Norden Noelli uh, being lost for the season. Um, so I, I think that's kind of what you're hoping to see. And then whoever can win, whether it's Brock Bando, Kevin Williams, uh, both kind of in-state guys there, I think, are in the mix at the other guard spot if Corcoran does indeed settle in there. And then I think it, it seems like Hickson is the, the option at center. Um uh, they've got a few other guys that they're kind of working in there, but that seems to be where we're at. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're still experimenting. They're still moving guys around, but I think they 
the closer we get to camp, they really need to lock in and let guys kind of settle in at any one spot um, so they can really start making that position their own and you can build that chemistry because it, it's an important deal for guys to, to have the, uh, the camaraderie with the guys next to them to understand who's going to be there, who's going to be like feel, all right, this guy, I know what this guy is going to do on any given snap. So they got to start identifying kind of who those guys are going to be and building that up here as we get closer to the start of the season. Trust is going to be so important. Jacob Padilla is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Jacob, about 40 seconds here before we got to head out. Thanks again for jumping on. Overall, are you yay or nay that the defense can be as good as a whole as last year? Um, if you're bad. I, I think, yeah, I, I think it can be pretty close. I think they're stronger potentially in some areas, but still some question marks in, in some others. We'll see. I think a lot of it will come down to the big guys up front and how well they're able to stop the run. Because I think they'll be able to rush, get after the passer better this year than they did previous year with Garrett Nelson taking a step forward with Oshawn Mass as joining the team. But will that matter if they can't stop the run consistently, particularly later in games where teams really started to gash them in, in the fourth quarter last season? So it's going to come down to those guys. And we, uh, Devin Drew is still uh, hasn't quite started yet with the team. You've got Stefan Wynn working in there. You've got uh, the guys that they brought back. Um, we, we don't know what the front is going to look like yet. If they can if they can do their jobs, I think uh, the back end's got a chance to, to make a difference this year. But that's a big question mark. Jacob Adilla, find him on Twitter at Jacob Adilla underscore. We're here at the Hale Varsity Club. Jacob will get caught up next week. Thanks for the time today. All right. Sounds good. There he is, Jacob Bedella with us. Coming up next hour, the coach, Jerry DiNardo, Big Ten Network, will be with us. And I just got an RSVP surprise visit from one, the only, Klausburn. Hale Varsity continues on the road here at the Hale Varsity Club. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity Roadshow Friday. And for the next few Fridays, we're up here at the Hale Varsity Club. And uh, make it your stop for happy hour. And uh, come see us or come get a drink, get some wings, get a burger. You got live music going down outside yeah, right now. Yeah, live music's fantastic. Uh, and they book it, man. They do a great job of some local talent, uh, some tremendous musicians. It is International Beer Day. I keep repeating that because there's a lot of taps. You can just pull the trigger on and <laughs> and get a frosty one and uh, get some munchies. We're we're on the screens up here, mm-hmm. uh, nestled in between. Dare I call it gym class soccer? Yeah. So it, it's got a it's a system going down of it's soccer, but they're playing within like a circular field. There's three goals, three teams going at it, and you can score at any goal at any given time, which reminds me of a, of a game we played back in gym growing up. Um, Mr. Cosmicky at Maxie Elementary School used to love this one. So shout out to Mr. Cosmicky if he's out there. I still remember you uh, having us play this game. And I just didn't realize you could make a living out of it or something. I'm not sure what they're doing. You have a special heart and pain threshold if you're a junior high PE teacher. (laughs) Is that fair to say? Uh, My PE teacher at Irving, Mr. Har, was great. And uh, the other two PE teachers, we had one guy that was, he was, in, he was an exchange teacher, so he's from England. Mm-hmm. So he loved soccer, which means he loved running us, which means <laughs> some of us had the old side ache. 
and oh. uh, we, we were wheezing. Son, how do you build your lungs? You run. <laughs> no, no, my good man, you don't. Uh, you get on the old golf cart and head to the nurse's office. But, yeah, so the Ocho <laughs> is on uh, here. But think about all the sporting events you're going to want to be watching this fall. NFL Sundays, Monday night football, Thursday night football, uh, and how about high school football? Mm. As in, you're not far from Millard South here. Uh, this is your spot to stop. I mean, you're not far you from a, the, a lot of the high school. Right. You got Bellevue's Mar- just over the hill. You got Gretna right around here, Millard South. Really, the whole South Omaha area is just within, I don't want to call it walking distance, but no. it's, it's just a stone's throw away. Right. So this is your uh, pregame spot is, is kind of my take. Coach DiNardo is going to be with us uh, in less than an hour. Bill Dolman will join us. And then uh, Clausburn, he's imaginary. He wears red. If you're new to our show in Omaha, you'll want to be sure and, well, and listen to Clausburn more so for the, uh, the upcoming Friday forecasts. Uh, let's pick up where we left off with uh, Nebraska and Scott Frost as you had Coach uh, meet uh, with the media after practice today. And we heard a little bit about the leadership we Heard about uh, where Nebraska was at with that leader impact. Let's get to the quarterback and that declaration here of, of Casey Thompson, his job, his job to lose. And Coach expanded a little bit more on that. But here is Coach Frost on Casey Thompson at quarterback. Yeah, uh, you know, Casey had an offseason procedure done on his thumb. Uh, I got to tell you, he, his, his play has really risen since spring, and, and I think that had something to do with it. we got a lot of quarterbacks playing well right now, but I, I've been really pleased with what I've seen from Casey, and, and um, we'll let him keep working, and r- right now it, it's his job to lose. More on some of Casey's attributes, experience, yes, can run an offense, uh, and just from his experience level, uh, I think he does some things that, that may fit or a little bit easier to to watch happen in the, the Whipple offense more from Frost. I just think he has a little more confidence more than anything, but a, a probably a little more a zip on the ball and um, just a little bit of grip on the football, frankly. So that's the difference. He must have had one mother of a mangled thumb. Elijah, you've, I don't know if anyone's, tagged their thumb on your helmet back in the day in the pocket, but you've uh, known your share of quarterbacks playing ball. Either they get it bent back or their follow through or something along those lines, but it's pretty vicious on the quarterback's hands, and Casey's played with it for almost a year plus. So I, I like to, to uh, avoid being in a place where the quarterback could hit his hand on my helmet. That means I have done something uh, catastrophically wrong. You missed your block. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You've gotten pushed right back up into the lap of the quarterback. That's a, a, just a recipe for disaster. So I don't think I ever did that. However, I did one time during a drill. Um, we were supposed to finish with our hands high, and I brought it back down to hit the top of a, a helmet, and it completely dislocated my pinky uh-huh. um it was like shaped like a lightning bolt is what i was told uh, they had to pop it back in I, I can confirm helmets are hard and they hurt whenever you hit them um with uh any sort of force with your with your hand it's just it's a recipe for disaster so this is the the, the thing that's going to be the 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 the, the seal of the deal for nebraska and their quarterback guys 
is, okay, Casey's got experience. Casey's looking good in practice. He knows the offense. It's going well. Wonderful. Is is Casey going to be able to gel with the rest of his team, mm-hmm. the rest of the guys on the offense? The rest of the guys on the offense have spent quite a bit of time with Chubba Purdy. The rest of the guys on offense have spent plenty of time with Logan Smothers. The, the job for Casey Thompson right now is to continue to get those guys to want to play not just with him but for him. And I'm not saying they don't, but you can have your favorites, right? I mean, it, it's who do you spend more time with? Who do you feel comfortable with? Who's a, a guy you like hanging out with? Casey Thompson's a guy that is going to continue to work on that relationship building with his teammates. And, you know, you, you'll, you'll put up with somebody if they're really great at their job, but it's a different deal when you want to go win with them, uh, not just because of them. Dare I go uh, Aaron Rodgers with this? Of, of a guy where, sure. I mean. It depends what not, teammates you ask. His te- some of his teammates haven't always liked the guy. And last time I checked, Aaron Rodgers is not a guy like Tom Brady who's playing in the Super Bowl every single year. He might get his team to the playoffs every single year. And I don't know the behind the scenes of that locker room. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. But I think we've all seen within the past year some of those uh, comments from Aaron Rodgers, how he rubs some people the wrong way where, man, this might not be the most likable guy. And can it affect the results on the field? And uh, I think that's something that is going to be discussed ad nauseum uh, through fall camp if Casey Thompson isn't a guy that connects well with his teammates. And the reports are out there that he's been taking his offensive lineman out to dinner and he, he's been trying Maybe to Maybe they ought to just get on psychedelics together. To take some ayahuasca and take a little journey. Let's, uh, <laughs> uh, Jay Cutler, Connor, going to bring you in here real quick. What, uh, I mean, Jay Cutler is another example of, of guys that, all right, we'll tolerate him because he's super talented. And then there's guys who also played with Jay that said, yeah, he was a good dude. I've heard it both ways. I don't know where you are in the, the Jay Cutler era of the Bears where you were pro or, or, or nay with Jay. It's hard as a Bears fan because there's the population that really likes him because he brought a lot of success. But there's a part of Bears fans, sometimes including myself, that really don't like him because why is he on a bike in the middle of the NFC Championship game after, you know, spraining his thumb? So it's just stuff like that that kind of puts you on (laughs) one side of the fence or the other with Jay Cutler. It's a pretty split opinion, I would say. See, and I got to see Jay Cutler as the Broncos quarterback for a couple years, too. And it's that same thing of, yeah, the guy had talent, but I wasn't sad to see him go because of these things Connor said. Like. We'll wind down this first hour here at the Hale Varsity Club. Uh, here till 6, uh, you can pop in anytime, get a beer ordered, and uh, on the way with Bill Dolman, hour two shortly. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, hour one here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Roadshow Friday, you're invited out. Happy hour till six. But uh, 
Trust me, with International Beer Day going on, you will remain happy. And uh, get some wings. That is what I recommend. Get the Sunday when you're done with your wings. That's a solid choice for me. Get to the gym the next day. But it, it's tremendous. Uh, try their burgers. You'll love them. As uh, we're set up, we're, uh, we're, we're being streamed on StreamYard, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter. But also, we're on uh, the, uh, the, the screens here uh, in between some uh, soccer on the Ocho. Uh, Cubs uh, got a solid win, 2-1. to one. Connor Clark is fist-pumping. Todd emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Say we win seven or magically more. What does that say about Frost? And if so, how many losing seasons following does that indirectly buy Frost? <laughs> so... Get to a bowl game, win seven or more, and then what's the timeline before we're back into the same conversation about job security and future? Um, I think he has an opportunity with a good season to get back to that $5 million a year mark, get a little breathing room, solidify this staff, keep the recruiting and the NIL and the portal wins happening, showcase the fact that you're a a program that can win in the Big Ten, get guys to the next level, and also be a a place where guys from different parts of the country can come play together and and work well together. That's not always easy. And it could be a great advertisement for you, so you don't have to have that conversation uh, in, in year seven or year nine. And well, that, that, that's where I'm at. I, I, I'm worried about this season if I'm a Nebraska fan and get through it, get to a bowl game, and then let's talk about 2024. Let's talk about 2025. Let's worry about what's, uh, what's next on the menu opposed to what's on the plate right now. I, and I'll just say it's all about showing progress this season. That's what Alberts has been saying where you, you got to be better. you got to show that you are a program moving upwards, and if – you say you come back next season, eight and four this year, uh, hypothetically, and you come back and go five and seven next year. That, sh- that doesn't show any progress, and that, that probably gets shown you the door. But instead of going with a pessimist take, let's go with the optimist take and say, well, in, in the event that Scott Frost does exceed expectations this year, maybe he's going to pull a Harbaugh and uh, go flirt with some NFL teams in the offseason to try to get that that raise from Trev Alberts in the offseason. That, that'd be the more optimist take. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know that he's going to be flirting with. <laughs> With, with any opening or gig. I still can't uh, believe Harbaugh did that. Well, Jim's an NFL guy. I mean, he did really well there with the Niners, except his GM and him hated one another. Shocking. Harbaugh's uh, interesting to work with and, and work for, but really good, man. Uh, when when he, he hits on it, look at his Stanford time. So uh, Bill Dolman going to join us. He is with NBC Sports. If you remember the Tom Osborne show and uh, all those great Husker Vision productions, and uh, plenty of college basketball. Bill Dolman with us. And now you hear him on Olympic race walking. Yes, race walking. So Billy D will join us. And then Coach DiNardo, Jerry DiNardo, he saw Northwestern this morning. And he saw Nebraska yesterday. What do you think of both squads as they kick off uh, college football in Dublin? So that's uh, going to be a good conversation with the coach. Clausburn, before we say goodbye, Hale Varsity live here at the Hale Varsity Club Roadshow Friday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Roadshow Friday, the first of several Fridays here at the Hale Varsity Club. We lead up to Dublin as we head off to Ireland here at the end of the month. The uh, day-by-day documentary will be here, a special screening, August 23rd at the Hale Varsity Club. We are inviting you out uh, here till 6 tonight. Back next Friday, food, drink, International Beer Day today. Plenty of wings and burgers and all sorts of goodies. We say hi to the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, and the biggest Husker fan you know, Bill Dolman with us, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D, how's the week? What do you know? Uh, Coming out. After, what, like five years in production or something like that, doing better than Batgirl, it got canceled, I guess. Start over. We, we had you muted, not me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to pass the buck on that one. <laughs> so so you, you, you were about ready to, to give me a backhanded compliment or just a backhand? Just a backhand. No, I, it's um, that day-by-day thing has been like in the works for about, it seems like, five or ten years or soon after the season ended in 1995 or whenever that uh, is chronicling. But at least it's getting a release as opposed to Batgirl. Right. No, you're, you're right on. And it was at the Rococo this summer. It's been at a couple of spots in Omaha. I think it's been out at North Platte and maybe in Kearney. But, I mean, there's enough screens here at the Hale Varsity Club. Uh, it's going to be really awesome. Uh, specifically with the surround sound. Now, I'll be bellied up to the bar with the giant projection TV that's HD beautiful. So that's where I'm going to be for it on that Tuesday before I go to before I go to Dublin uh, the, the next day. So when it, when is the debut for this movie? It's already debuted. It's just going to oh. be coming to the Hale Varsity Club for a screening. So oh, you can get well, tickets, HaleVarsityClub.com. Yeah, you'll have to to rock and roll this way. And, and from my yeah. understanding, talking to them, 
they're trying to take this thing out, get you the, the in-theater quote-unquote experience, get you someplace where you can sit down and, and enjoy the, the movie as it's meant to be seen, and then uh, eventually somewhere down the line they're planning on getting it out on streaming for the people who uh, are not in close proximity to where one of these streamings is at. So, right. B- Bill, uh, part of the, uh, the charm of that, uh, that era in the 90s was the personalities but the commitment. Talk to Grant uh, Wistrom. We had him on yesterday, and Grant talked about Nebraska's defensive linemen all shaving their head. Big deal. Not a big deal, but it was a big deal to him. How did you avoid getting grabbed by one of those big uglies and having <laughs> – your your gorgeous locks uh, trimmed in, or were you in hiding, or did did it even come up? You know, I think that they may have tried, and I just told them that one night at the rail, Kent Wells gave me a headbutt, so I'd already been indoctrinated. I didn't need to have a headbutt anymore, <laughs> and I think they acquiesced and thought, yeah, that's that's probably pretty good. So if you survived a Kent Wells headbutt, then you can keep your locks. Plus, I'm not exactly sure hosting the Osborne show with a shaved head would have gone over all that well for an entire season. You had the T.O. protection. I love it. I want to go back to Kent Wells. What happened there? Was he happy to see you, or did you get in the way of a, of a, of a, of a Bud Light? No, 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 no. I, 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 you know, I got along with Kent fine, and that was just his way of saying hello. And within the last couple of years, the cobwebs finally cleared. I think that was about <laughs> 1991. Well... Bill, uh, a thought here is Nebraska is going to have a, a major scrimmage tomorrow, the, the first scrimmage of the fall. Uh, pretty good info from Coach Frost today. Good stuff from Bill Bush yesterday. Janander kicked the week off, and then uh, Mickey Joseph was, was not pleased with his wideouts, but it sounds like they responded pretty well uh, this week after uh, maybe a little sluggish or some inconsistency. Uh, code word for the secondary one that day, but don't oh. you get the don't you get the sense listening to Mickey? And I know we're not going to hear from him much during the course of the season, but he sounds like that dad that's just never going to be happy. <laughs> Loves know. his guys. You're right. But every time out, it is I'm just not happy with these guys, and I'm sure that these you know he's probably going to have games where there are six guys with six catches, and he probably still won't be, you know. Happy. That just seems like, you know, Mickey's approach as a coach and he challenges his guys to impress him and he's not easily impressed, which is fine. That's it's a great approach to have. I'm, I'm sure to a certain extent, maybe Charlie was a, a bit that way. Uh, you know, his guys loved him and he could be gruff, but, you know, he you know, they respected and wanted his approval. And I'm sure that's what the the wideouts are seeking uh, for Mickey, but it does it does seem like, you know what, let's just go back to the – let's go to the wishbone. Let's play six running backs. <laughs> Let Apple White get all of his guys out there. We're not going to play with wide receivers anymore. I'm just not happy with them. Bill Dolman's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Bill, there's been thoughts from the fans over the past couple of years that maybe the best talent in the wide receiver room hasn't been the people what we've been seeing on the field when – Omar Manning took him a couple years to finally find his flow within the offense. And even last year, didn't necessarily felt like uh, you, you saw him at the height of his potential. Same thing with Xavier Betts. It uh, really feels like the only guy that I can think of in the past couple years that's lived up to his potential has maybe been Samari Toure, what we saw from him last season. But do you think that's that's been an issue within the wide receiver room? Or, or do you think that's been 
an issue uh, among you know who's been coaching the wide receiver room without them really having a, a dedicated wide receivers coach. You hear Mickey talking about his standard being excellence. I don't think that that the standard we've seen in the wide receiver room over the past couple of years has been excellence. You're probably right about the the lack of consistency in terms of of coaching. I, I would imagine that that probably has something to do with it, and maybe what you're seeing through the last you know week or so is in the spring is getting adjusted to to having a consistent voice and an authoritative voice uh, in that room that you are you're getting acclimated to. You're understanding you know how he operates, what you need to do. Uh, but you know at, at the same time. Let's face it, you know, things were, were, have not been, you know, great offensively with, you know, Adrian being turnover prone, Adrian not getting a lot of protection, uh, inconsistency with running back. There just hasn't been consistency anywhere on that side of the football. And trying to, you know, Martinez can't throw good passes if he's under duress or if he decides to run and then fumbles. And, you know, the wide receivers are just running around out there. If the offensive line gives... Casey Thompson, Purdy, Torres, Smothers, anybody, Harburg protection, you're going to have those those wide receivers are going to have a chance to run their routes, get open, and make plays. And they just it just hasn't been everybody together. There's always been something dysfunctional with that offense the last couple of years. And 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 I think having that consistent voice and the guy you, you really want to you know, impress. I think that's going to be a big deal. And Mickey, Mickey obviously coached well at LSU and had guys go to the NFL. But all, Mickey played at Nebraska, understands Nebraska. You know, and there's an excellence not just to being excellent offensively, but there's an excellence that he understands that it, it takes to be a Nebraska Cornhusker, and that's important. Bill Dolman with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We're live at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista between Cabela's and uh, right next to the Embassy Suites. Just off Giles, you're invited up. I think uh, Jason Eldeen's rocking and rolling a little bit later tonight, so you're making your way this way. Uh, stop in for uh, for a, a pint and some munchies. Bill, it's going to be big for a lot of guys, but what I thought was really good about Scott Frost, A, he admit, it's not like he admitted it, but he said, yeah, it's Whipple's show. So I thought, and not just that he said it, but he, the way he said it, was, you know, an admission that maybe I was a little too involved versus turning it over, that, that CEO topic we, we, get, we tend to get into. But he also highlighted that guys that, that have come here have been able to, well, to, to be pretty good teammates, and the guys that have been here have been good teammates back. And, and that's not something that, I anticipated going as smoothly as it's sounding right now anyway that it seems like everyone's on the same page. I think overall there's better organization, and that's been not the case the last few years. You know, that was interesting. I heard his comments, uh, what was it, yesterday that he met the media, and or maybe it was this earlier morning. today, Yeah, uh, this morning. Uh, and there, there were like little nuggets that were – gold you know in terms of what he was saying and yeah uh you know mark's in charge of the offense and you're like what you know it's his show you're like you know that is really backing away from what has been said since mark whipple got hired that it was you know scott's offense are going to work together and oh yeah i'm still involved and da 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 you know and i'm, I'm sure scott still will be and i'm sure there will time be times when scott says let's run this um but 
to say that I thought was, you know, pretty revealing. And, you know, Scott's not a man of many words anyway. So that's why I thought, wow, that's quite the nugget. And then he said that the, the quarterback job is Casey Thompson's to lose. You know, to say that at this point of fall camp was, you know, I think that was kind of not a lot. I'm not going to say it's alarming, but I'm saying, wow, that was pretty bold to just come out and say that that's the way it is. And, and Casey's the guy and Purdy looks good. I read that, you know, Torres had a great, uh, what was it, practice here the other day, launching the ball. So, uh, but it's based on what we heard today. It is Casey Thompson's show, and it's the battles now for number two. Bill, tomorrow is the scrimmage day in fall camp for the Huskers. How important do you think that is for not only the team, but certain individuals as well on that team? Well, the first scrimmage is always really, really important because I think now you really see who has – come into camp in shape for one, but then also who has been studying and paying attention. You can go through that first week or so and look good in drills and whatnot, but when you can get out there and, you know, if the, if the defensive backs have had the best of the receivers the last couple of practices, you know, tomorrow's the day for the receivers to prove that they are on page with Mickey. That offensive line has to show up well against, you know, what should be a pretty good defensive front for Nebraska this year. You know, I know uh, Coach Root is happy with the depth that is emerging at linebacker. So all of a sudden, you know, you, you've gone through this first week of, of, of practices. Now let's see who is stepping up. And in addition to Casey Thompson being the guy at quarterback now, is it Ramir Johnson? Is it Omar Manning? Is it Elante Brown who they're very high on? On the other side of the ball, is Mathis as good as advertised? Uh, is that defensive secondary uh, as good as advertised, or will the receivers have the better of them tomorrow? So I think tomorrow is is maybe the most important of all the scrimmages leading up to Dublin, because once they get to that last scrimmage before Dublin, that's going to be like dialing it back. That's going to be a, a game mode, not a walkthrough, but a game mode type scrimmage. So I think that tomorrow is really important. How savage were, were T.O.'s scrimmages? Because those guys were contact quite a bit, and then when it came down to it, who's gonna who's gonna solidify the job? Uh, even though somebody had started, you better keep the job. You know, the, the, going back to, and thinking about that, and listening to what they've talked about with leadership, it wasn't so much that they were, you know, overly. I shouldn't say overly physical because Nebraska scrimmages back in the day were physical because that's what the players kind of dictated. But I was always impressed when I would go watch practice or watch a scrimmage to, to kind of see how the, what the aftermath was of a certain play, you know, how nasty they might, might get at each other. And there was, there was barking and there was chipping and there was pushing and there was shoving. So the plays were, Chris, the, the, the scrimmages were very controlled. You know, it's game-like and it's very business-like. But when it got spirited, it got spirited. And that was critical because that's where you saw the leadership. And you saw guys, we may not like each other on different sides of the ball in practice, but that's going to make us better on Saturday. And if the leadership that they're talking about with this team is, is what it, it really is, you will see some spirited play on both sides and maybe some pushing each other. And I think that's healthy for a football team. Not the fighting, but spirited. And that's what always impressed me about that team because they held each other accountable. How did 
Coach Osborne manage that within a, a practice? And things got chippy whenever there may have been a, a little scuffle after a play. I mean, I remember going to a, a Bo Pelini era practice, and there was a scuffle after the play. And for the most part, I think maybe one strength and conditioning coach jumped in to try and break it up. But for the most part, it was the players uh, kind of holding their teammates accountable and letting them go at it for a second, but then breaking them apart. How, how did Coach Osborne manage that? Well, you know, you, you didn't want to disappoint Coach Osborne. <laughs> I always I can hear him in my you know my head if something got out of hand him going hey 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 <laughs> you know I'm sure Bo Bo is a little more colorful than wanting to break things up but you know there are times in practice and this is in every football team when you let that go a little longer and you're kind of slow and reacting and you you know you don't want it to get out of hand you don't want something stupid to happen but. I, I tend to think that it's okay if they, there's some pushing and shoving and some jawing, and every now and then the response of the coaches is, okay, guys, knock it off, time to break it up. And then the, the strength coaches get in there and pull them apart. And, but I think that's healthy for a football team if they know how to react in the locker room. Bill Dolman with us, NBC Sports, the pride of Fairbury. Billy D, we will catch up with you next weekend. Thanks so much for jumping on with us and uh spending a few minutes yeah and i uh, i hope you're planning on how you're going to smuggle some uh, real uh, irish guinness uh back to the states for me so be thinking about I, that. I, I will do I don't, that i don't want you to have to go you know Brittany griner or anything like that no but, uh... schmidt's, schmidt's <laughs> locked up abroad with seven casks of, of, of guinness for dolman <laughs> billy d we love you brother appreciate you all right be good go big red there he is bill dolman um with us here from the hale varsity club we will check in next. He has seen both practices, Northwestern and Nebraska. What's he think? Jerry DiNardo, Big Ten Network with us on Hale Varsity. Hey, Storm Chasers fans. A six-game homestand against St. Paul is upcoming, and it all begins on August 2nd. That night is free on the green, which means free berm tickets if you show your FNBO card. The following night is library night, and we're whispering because you can't talk loud in the library, which is why I avoid libraries. Dollar Beer Night is August 4th, and that's also Military Appreciation Night, two of my favorite things. You'll see patriotic jerseys and a whole lot of Budweiser. Nothing more American. American than that. The weekend slate includes fireworks on Friday night, camo jerseys with an in-game jersey auction on Saturday, and a family fun day on Sunday, which includes bark in the park, canned food for tickets, and kids running the bases after the game. Get your tickets now before it's too late. We'll see you soon. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. Hour two, we're here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista, uh, just between Cabela's and the Embassy Suites. We welcome in the coach. Good to talk with him again, Jerry DiNardo, Big Ten Network. Uh, at uh, Jerry DiNardo on Twitter is where you find Coach. Coach, uh, you, you packed for camp. You've been to Lincoln, and you were down at Northwestern today. How you doing? Well, we're doing great. You know, we're doing week zero. We go to Illinois tonight and watch their practice tomorrow. Then we head east to Rutgers and do the eastern swing. But uh, we've had two really good stops. Interesting that obviously Nebraska and Northwestern open up together. So it was in the end, Nebraska's it was practice seven. Northwestern was practice eight. So we've got to see them at the exact time and the exact same time in their schedule. And, uh, it, it, it was a, it was a great way to start the the tour because 
those two teams open up in, on week zero. Well, we have our bags packed for Ireland and had a chance to, to spend some time with Coach Frost after practice today. Big scrimmage for Nebraska tomorrow. Coach, I want to get your take on on week zero and going to Ireland. First and foremost, you've been a head coach uh, a number of years in your career. Uh, how, how daunting a task is not only week zero, but, but week zero abroad? Yeah, you, you know, as a coach, you always want to try to figure out, uh, you know, what's most important for the team, you know, experience like that. I can remember being in Indiana, and they wanted us to play at Hawaii, and the only reason I turned it down, it was it was one of the recruiting weekends that we had in Bloomington, and we couldn't we couldn't waste a weekend to recruit, so I turned it down. You know, I think this is a great opportunity for both teams, but, you know, I have to say, especially after talking to – Coach Frost and Coach Fitz and, and watching what was going on, you know, it's post-game that makes the, the trip most difficult. You know, before you, you, you can adjust your clock going, right, and you can figure all that out, but when you come back and Nebraska has a game and Northwestern doesn't, by way of example, Fitz is going to give his guys two days off when they get back. I mean, nothing. Just get used to the clock, whereas Nebraska's got to get ready for North Dakota, and so, you know, I mean, I'm sure Scott thought through this and decided it was a good idea, but it's tough duty when they get back. And North Dakota, as we all know, only people only people that know football know that's a really good team. Joe DiNardo's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and I just want to ask about this trip itself, getting out there to Northwestern. How do you keep the team focused during that time? It's a, it's a long journey out there. You're going to have the jet lag and a lot of fun things to do out in Dublin, but at the end of the day, it's about going and winning a football game. How do you keep a team focused on that task? Well, you know, you don't just do it uh, when you leave. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a big sign right now on Northwestern's practice field that says, you know, Nebraska 22 days, I believe. I believe that's the, the number. Uh, you know, these guys are are pretty worldly. They're pretty mature. Both these teams have a lot to prove. Both these teams have come off seasons that weren't what they wanted it to be. And I, I think sometimes, you know, unless you're around these guys a lot, you sell them short. They're pretty mature. They understand how important this game is. They understand how important this season is. They're both trying to rebound from last year. I don't think you have to say much. I think you have to say, hey, when there's something touristy, let's enjoy it. You know, we don't have to walk around without game face. You know, you're allowed to laugh. <laughs> you're allowed to have fun. But, you know, when the time comes and it's the day before the game, you know, we're going to hunker down. We're going to watch a lot of video. We're going to get a lot of rest. And we're going to play like hell uh, game day. Jerry Donardo's with us, Hale Bar City Radio, at Jerry Donardo on Twitter, Big Ten Network, lead analyst. And, of course, you see him uh, with uh, kickoff and uh, the bus tour going on. Coach, what was your takeaway with, with Coach Frost's demeanor as you had a chance to sit down with him yesterday after practice? Yeah, you know, I, I, I love talking to Coach Scott. I mean, we talked during practice and, I just really always enjoy our conversations, and uh, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And I think I said this on Twitter. You know, I I never take for granted that these coaches allow us to watch practice. It's a unique opportunity for a unique type of media, which we are. 
we're, we're, we're actually business partners. And the great majority of our coaches, including Scott, treat us that way, that, that some way we're partners. And there's a lot of trust. You know, we don't say some things that we see that are obviously uh, not known to the public. I, I thought the practice was really good. You know, I compared it to last year's practice, and I, I always couch this opinion because I, didn't, I wasn't overly impressed last year at practice, but who knows? You know, no coach has ever said we've never had a bad practice. You know, it could, it could have been the tired legs. I don't remember when it was. But I do remember after, today, after yesterday's practice, looking at that practice and saying, wow, that was a really good practice. I don't remember feeling the same way a year ago. Now, it was practice number seven for Nebraska. They've got new coaches. There's a lot, a lot of things going on. I think everyone feels a sense of urgency. So my guess is it really was a better practice than last year. But, again, who knows what happened last year. They could have had tired legs or it could have been a different day in the, in the week. Coach, let's talk about quarterback play for Nebraska. Coach uh, made it pretty clear that it's Casey Thompson's job to lose, but there's a lot of competition in that quarterback room with Coach Whipple and uh, your impression of, of that quarterback spot for Nebraska moving forward. Yeah, you know, I think this is, you know, tough times when you transfer a quarterback in and he's eligible right away, which is the new college football, right? Because I think mm-hmm. the fans get all excited. They look at his stats and, you know, they maybe expect too much. And so I would say, you know, I thought Casey had a good practice. It was only one practice. But, you know, just like any quarterback, I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Martinez who left, if you just looked at his numbers, you'd say, wow. But, you know, there were times during a game when some quarterback mistakes cost them a game. So we don't know that part of Casey Thompson. And, you know, I, I say this, I can watch the drills, I'm very well coached, I can watch the team practices, I can watch the emphasis on special teams, but until Nebraska plays, we won't know if they're going to win the close game, which I would expect the first game to be close, and are they going to perform in special teams, and is the quarterback going to be mistake-free or close to mistake-free? Those are the three things that you really can't tell in a practice but you can tell those are going to be the three things that dictate the success or failure of Nebraska season. Coach, what can you glean from a practice? I mean, you mentioned all these things that you don't know. Is there anything that whenever you go on this tour and you go to the practices, can you, can you get the, the sense from a practice of, you know what, this team's going to be good based on, say, this or this? Yeah, this is great. I mean, this is, this is spot on, right? I mean, I would ask this question a hundred times. I mean, so the first thing you do is you walk around and you try to assess the talent, right? So mm-hmm. I walked around, uh, you know, I think Nebraska's offensive line, uh, I think they're fine. I think they're as good as, as two-thirds of the teams that they're going to play, or they're as good, maybe not better. You know, then obviously you look at the quarterback, you look at Shannon's defense. They've improved every year. You expect them to, to improve again. But to answer your question, Big picture-wise, after watching these two teams, and I made this comment today after practice, I wouldn't be surprised if the winner of this game in, in, in Dublin is decided on the last play of the game. So when you, you get a look at the personnel, they're pretty balanced. I'd say maybe, maybe Northwestern has an edge in the defensive line. Maybe they're equal in the offensive line. They both have somewhat of a question at quarterback. Nebraska has the better defense coming back. 
Northwestern who really struggled on defense. Northwestern, pretty good run game, pretty good uh, backfield depth. Maybe that's a little bit better than Nebraska. So you just try to go to each group, evaluate the talent as it's relative. Now, I have to tell you, when we go to Ohio State, it looks like they're playing a different game. I mean, that's how much different their talent is, right? I mean, it's just it is, there's, there's absolutely no comparison. And then you watch the team period and try to see how efficient they can be on offense, defense, and special teams. A few more minutes here. Jerry DiNardo with us, Hale Varsity Radio, live here at the Hale Varsity Club. Coach DiNardo, Big Ten Network, a uh, couple of tours already with Big Ten camp season in Lincoln yesterday, Northwestern uh, this morning. So, Coach, you touched on special teams, and uh, we really like Bill Bush. We've, we've known Bill for a while, and I think his attention to detail on top of his recruiting acumen is, is going to be big for Nebraska. Uh, what, what did you glean from special teams? Because Bill can talk to us after practice and, and, and make it sound great, and, and I, I believe what he says, but there's, there's a renewed emphasis. You and I both know that it's cost Nebraska a lot of ball games. Based on what you've seen, that, that little grain of salt, do you think it'll be better where it won't be a detriment this year for Nebraska? Yeah, I, I, I feel for sure it'll be better for a couple of reasons. If there's any competitiveness to this team, it has to be better. And, and I mean, let's face it, I don't know that you can get a scholarship to major college football without being a competitor. I don't think you can coach in an environment like Nebraska that it is so important to everybody in the state where you don't have a competitive edge. So just the fact that you would will it to be better after last year's semi-embarrassment. So that's one reason. I, 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 the, the pure nature of the competitive spirit of somebody that would sign a scholarship with Nebraska. The second thing would be there's a lot of different ways to organize special teams. And, and obviously, when we went to practice, this is one of the things I wanted to find out, right? I wanted to find out about special teams. So I like the way it's organized. There's a lot of different ways, but the way they have it organized is obviously Coach Bush is in charge of it. But then he, he delegates certain positions to the rest of the coaches. So there's only two coaches, I believe, Scott told me. Uh, don't hold me to that, but I think it's true that everybody but two coaches are involved with special teams, with Coach Bush being the head coach of the special teams. And that's a really good way, in my opinion, to to break it down. When I was at Colorado, I was in charge of the left guard and the left tackle on the punt team. Now, I'd be darned if I couldn't get those two guys to do something right. And if I couldn't get those two, if I couldn't get two people to do something right on one team, then there was something wrong with me, not the players. And so that's the kind of attention to detail. The other thing is, you know, how much the head coach talks about it. You know, Scott went over to the special teams field when they were doing special teams. So those are kind of, you know, body language type of things. I think that, to me, they, they put the correct emphasis on it. And, you know, I, I just loved what they were doing on special teams and the way they were coaching it. Jerry DiNardo with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We're live here at the Hale Varsity Club. A couple more thoughts with Coach DiNardo. Uh, before we say goodbye, Clausburn will join us in uh, next segment as well. It's Hale Varsity. It's a road show Friday here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. 
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. How about Whipple taking over on offense? It's uh, Whipple's show. That's what Scott said. I think it's been hard for Coach Frost to completely walk away from it. Uh, what you're, a, you're an offensive coordinator, Coach. Uh, you know uh, how, how much you love calling plays and putting game plans together. How do you foresee that shaking out? I think Whipple's seen and done it all, and I think he's a really good quarterback tutor. Well, you know, I think it's more difficult now than ever with coordinators as a head coach. Uh, first of all, they're they're becoming generationally wealthy, and so yeah. sometimes they they don't think you know if it doesn't work out that's fine. I'll buy I'll buy another condo on the beach, and and sometimes the choices are a young guy who wears a visor, thinks he's a genius, stands on the sidelines because his agent told him he has to be on TV, or there's an older guy who wants to run the program but he's an assistant coach, and so. It's really difficult. I, I would say my experience with older coordinators is they bring a great deal of wealth, but it's not their program. It's the head coach's program. And when you get a guy like Phil Parker at Iowa, who, who is – I don't think he wants any other job. I don't think he wants to be the head coach at Iowa. And one of the reasons – and that's one of the reasons that makes him great. He's not aspiring to be – on the sidelines. He's not aspiring to be a head coach. He's a total great X and O guy who's loyal to Kirk Ferris. And if Mark Whipple fits that model, well then they they have a chance to make it work. But again, you know, both of these groups bring a lot of baggage with them. The young genius and the old guy who wants to run the program. Coach Jerry Donato is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and, and- Coach, I know you can't tell us everything you saw at practice, so I want to more dive into to your history as a coach here. With Mark Whipple coming in, installing his offense through the spring, now you're getting into fall camp, trying to put some of the finishing touches on it. I mean, how much of this playbook do you think is going to be open for Nebraska whenever they, they go on the road, get off to Dublin, and uh, play week zero against Northwestern? Is this thing going to be close to a finished product, or is there still going to be work that needs to be done through the first couple weeks of the season? Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was a finished product. And, and, and when you say finished product, it kind, of, it kind of leads you to think, you know, is the whole offense in? I think everyone goes into the first game with, with a finished product of the basics, right? There's going to be plays that they run against Northwestern and Dublin that they will run in their bowl game, Okay. There's going, to be a, there's going to be a core number of plays that will go from game one to, to their last game of the season, and I think, it'll, I think it'll be a bowl game. But in between there, there'll be game plan adjustments, there'll be tweaks, there'll be special plays. Like they may be, you know, they're not going to practice a gadget play when we're there, right, even though we're good partners. You know, it's just that it's not smart, right? So they may, they may put 10 
trick plays in during camp. Well, obviously, they're not going to run 10 trick plays against Northwestern. And so that's kind of how you do it. The, the finished product is there's a finished core project. How many times do you want the quarterback to run? You know, it's two times a quarter. That's usually what spread coaches want to do. Are you going to run him at all? What's your, what's your red zone philosophy? All those things will be pretty solid going into the first one. And then as they learn more about their personnel, as they manage their injuries and they manage how much the players can take new input, then the package will grow. And so it's one of the, it's a great question because it's, it's, one of the, it's, it's one of the most difficult and important decisions you make as you implement and let packages grow on both sides of the ball. Now, Eric's got great advantage, right? I asked him yesterday, of all the things that have happened since Coach Frost has been there, the defense has steadily improved. Why? And what he said was, same terminology, basically the same scheme. We've done the same things over and over again. And that's what Iowa does on defense. Nothing, not a lot has changed about the Iowa defense. And it's one of the best defenses in the country. Jerry DiNardo with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Big Ten Network, uh, camp season for Coach at uh, Nebraska yesterday, Northwestern this morning. Uh, off to see uh, Coach Bielema and the Illini a little bit later. Last thought, Coach, my, my mother is over in Italy. Any, uh, any restaurant recommendations, my friend? There is one that I have. It's in Rome. I, can't, I, I don't have it offhand, but I can sure as heck text, text it to you. But, you know, interesting you bring that up, Chris. You know, I asked both Fitz uh, and Coach Frost if they regretted that the game was in Dublin and not Rome. And their answer? Well, Coach Frost, Coach Frost said he loves Rome. He's been there. And Fitz said, my name's Fitzgerald. I mean, what do you think? No. <laughs> put it, put it uh, yeah, wherever. Uh, Rome would be cool in the, uh, the old arena or Dublin. But, uh, no, text me that. My mom will be uh, in Rome sometime as uh, she's touring Italy, and, and I'll make sure uh, she gets Coach's recommendation. I'll do it. I'll do it. Take, take care, Coach. Appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, guys. Coach DiNardo uh, with us at Hale Varsity. A couple of minutes here before we wind down at the Hale Varsity Club. We welcome in. He's imaginary, and he wears red. The infamous Claus Byrne says hello. Claus, how are we doing today? Well, I'm doing okay. Just uh, trying to get my bags packed to head over to Ireland here before long. You know, that's something we really, and it's amazing about modern college football. That's something we couldn't have done uh, when I was starting out coaching under, under Bob. I mean, can you imagine Don Fox Bryant having to come out and say, well, we're promoting Cletus Fisher to head coach on account of Bob said he was going to go to or something called Jameson, and we never never saw him again so uh, a, lot, a lot of things have changed in 60 years hmm. Claus you doing okay bud it, it's good to I'm getting geared up for football man I've missed you well I'm doing okay I'm really excited for the season I think we ought to be pretty good and I'm excited for you big news apparently uh, you've been able to get on a station that will increase your listeners uh, by four or five-fold, up to at least 50. And so that's pretty exciting news for you. It is. We're excited to be uh, in Omaha. You knew Omaha pretty well, Claus. 
Well, I, I've been to Omaha a time or two, and I, I was a big fan of, of 590 uh, back when it was the top 40 station. You know, that station, wow. that frequency has about a 99-year history in the state of Nebraska. And I suppose some program director said, well, we had a pretty good run. Let's just bring on Hale Varsity Radio and <laughs> head out to the pasture. He's killing us today. <laughs> he should be. Claus, we've got about 60 seconds left uh, before we got to say goodbye. Uh, what are you packing for Ireland? Well, of course, uh, I'll, I'll go with my standard. Uh, the fashion never changes. Red blazer, white shirt. Uh, it's something that uh, good-looking guys like me and Nick Handley can pull off. And speaking of Nick, I, I can't believe that you would bump him back a time slot after all he did for you. You know, Nick was there for my first time on this program. (laughs) Nick was there for my first time, which is the case with a lot of ladies in Nebraska. But seriously, folks, I'm excited for you, Christopher. Good thing it's not a television program or you'd have to explain why they moved Nick out of the time slot where the wives can watch, but it's good for the program, and I'm excited for the football season to start. Claus, you take care. Okay. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, we're here at the Hale Varsity Club. Uh, quite a few Fridays, the next several until Dublin. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Big thanks to Jerry DiNardo and Bill Dolman. This hour, spent time with Jacob Badilla in uh, hour one. And the infamous imaginary, and he wears red, Clausburn just joined us for a, <laughs> I guess it was uh, congratulations to Omaha. <laughs> uh, that's Claus for you, though. I, I, it, it's been a while since we've heard from Claus, and man, it's just, it's just good to hear that raspy voice again. Dan tweets in at Schmidt underscore radio, what the hell just happened? A mm. beautiful parks and rec gif. That was Claus, and he'll be a part of the Friday forecast with us every Friday at 540. Picks sure to go wrong. I, this year, I swear, I am actually going to track our results. I'm going to get them all written down, and we're going to have an end-of-the-season Friday forecast winner. I promise you, I'm going to get it done this season. We talked about it last year. I forsaked on my duties, or I, I, I was, you know, just preoccupied. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to get it done this year. And by the end of the season, for bragging rights, maybe for a steak and a beer, we'll have an end-of-the-Friday forecast year-end results. That'll work. Connor is sharpening his pencil to be part of the forecast, of course, Mm -hmm. as uh, we are on the road uh, plenty on Fridays. And uh, tomorrow, going to be big for Nebraska, who maintains, who grows their lead if there is a lead, or at least in the coach's mind's eye of pole positioning. And above all, get out of this thing tomorrow with the uh, the first scrimmage healthy mm-hmm. weekend plans aside from tomorrow morning 
Yeah, so uh, bright and early, the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. I'm sure you'll tell all the listeners about that. 7 to 9 for our local listeners. That's on ESPN Lincoln, mm-hmm. uh, but also available in the podcast form. And then after that, uh, sounds like coming back up on the road up here to Omaha and maybe going to hit uh, some golfing at the old Top Golf. All right. So. Yeah. All right. Connor, what do you got going, dude? A uh, whole lot of relaxing. We just had nine straight games for the Salt Dogs. So it's been a Connor appears to have that. frozen on the stream yard. So. Oh. Well, that can you hear me at least? We got you. Okay. Yes. Well, whole lot of relaxing for me. It's been a busy week and a half, but glad to be back on. Good, dude. No, it's uh, no one would go golf because it's going to be 7,000 degrees tomorrow. So I'm going to pour a vodka and go to the pool. See, I actually texted around because uh, there's been talks uh, among my friends of getting a group together. I said, tomorrow would be a great day to go. There's no chance that the tee time is going to be filled up with a high of 103 degrees tomorrow. And they said, how about top golf? It's somewhat air conditioned. And I said, well, I'll relent. I can do that. Well, uh, there's no tee times available till one thirty two. I'm young. I can handle the heat. I can do it. Yeah, you got to pace yourself. But I, I got to get that golf swing fixed. That's that's my main concern right now. Podcast is where you find us. Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and of course the Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, check all of those out uh, locally in Lincoln. Uh, back at you tomorrow at seven a.m. Big thanks to those who came out to say hi and enjoy this uh, FAC out here at the Hale Varsity Club. Uh, back at you tomorrow morning. And then Monday, we're loaded up. Uh, Joel McAvicka with us. We'll catch up with Jay Moore and Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Big thanks to Connor Clark. Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, talk to you next time on Hale Varsity from the Hale Varsity Club. A Huda Media Production.